Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a fresh new episode of Missing Curfew. I'm Shane O'Brien, as always, here at Action Park Studios in Beverly Hills. With my boy, Scotty Upshaw. Oh, thanks for having me. Big week here, Masters. Masters, you're looking good today. Good life have with tonight. You're looking good, buddy. You're looking fresh. I try, I try. Yeah, I got up this morning ready to rock. Yeah. Captain Conley in the booth. What's going on? You guys like my mustache? Movember. November looks good. Go mustache cons. Donate. Yeah, no, I'm going to donate. Five bucks, ten bucks. I'm going to donate to the cause. I like that you get the tie on again. Two weeks back to back with the tie. We appreciate the professionalism around here. Right. This, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got some other meetings. Got some. We're, we're, we're going big. We're going broad here. We're, we're we're not the most important thing on the docket today, is what you're saying. Here. Uh, well, I'm not wearing a tie because of you, <laughs> but uh, of course you're important. Okay. And on the East Coast, as always, Jimmy Broadway scoops Hayes. What's up, Jimbo? What's up, boys? I'm fired up for this Masters week. Hopefully, we can get some money back. My bookie is killing me with the NFL right now. Yeah, the NFL. The updog was kind of complaining Fuck, about I that. Hear you, Jim. right up. The updog had you. a tough loss last night with the Pats. Masters week, Jimbo touched on it. Updog. It's my favorite week. Obviously, it's it's different this this year with being in November and cool. We all know that. But I think you're the only guy. Jimbo, have you ever been to Augusta? No. I would love to go, though. Yeah, me too. So, updog, you're the only guy that's been there, so... Just real quick, what's it like going there? I know you had a great time, and I think, who'd you end up going there with? I went with, uh, so this is 2009. I was playing in Phoenix, had ACL surgery February, uh, wrote myself off for the year, but had a chance, told my doctors and team, they went on the road. I'm like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna head to Augusta, catch out, <laughs> catch out moving Saturday at Augusta and, and, uh, and check it out. So anyway, I went with my boy Blaine Stewart. Uh, my financial guy Brian Coglin and a buddy of ours Bruce Baker. So four of us, but we got in on uh, late Friday night. We hit the Hooters downtown. I think that's the only place rocking and rolling. And uh, Saturday we went through. I remember we got there. We went through sixteen. Uh, the entrance at sixteen, which is the the par three everyone sees. The, they put the hole in one pin on Sunday. Uh, you hear the roars from the back nine on there. But we bought our chairs. We're told you lay that chair down. So you, you go in and buy fold-up chairs. And there's the ones you see all over TV on the day. But wherever you lay that chair down, you put a little card in the back with your name on it. No one touches your chair for the rest of the day. So wherever the you, honor where, system, wherever you put oh, that, that chair is, unbelievable. is yours. So people on Saturday and Sunday, they will, when the gates open, you're not allowed to run. You have to speed walk. They will speed walk to the favorite place on the course, drop their chair, and that chair is theirs for the rest of the day. They can go grab hot dogs, beers. Two dollar beers, two dollar hot dogs at Augusta Two Oaks. Oh, they want for you'd a twenty spot. You're gonna, you'd, you'd have to roll me out of Augusta National at the end of the day. I'm sure. So, but I would have to say my highlight, boys, was uh, was catching our boy Freddie Couples at the time. I, I we didn't know Freddie. Freddie's a member at our club, Big Canyon. But he um, he was in contention Sunday on the back nine, and I had our chair uh, put on the twelfth tee at Amen Corner. 
And we caught Freddie coming in the second last group. Every cougar, every milf, and there's a lot yeah, of them walking around. They love Freddie. They, they love, love Freddie. Fucking Freddie. His good hair, fucking silky swing. He still looks good, man. We've still a couple looks good. Anyways, yeah, he still yeah, looks he good. He doesn't age at all, that guy. So catching him, it was actually Tiger Woods, boys. It was um, it was Tiger Woods' first tournament back after the little the little hiatus. Little with the injury or the little accident with the old lady got pinched, eh? got hand in the cookie jar. Tiger. So that was that was Tiger's first <laughs> tournament back. <laughs> Several times he was in contention till the back nine too. So it was it was cool. Phil Mickelson ended up winning that tournament, but um, something I'll always remember: Augusta and that Magnolia Lane. Magnolia I mean, the, the, Lane. I, I saw that thing from the that street too. You hear those? You see those trees coming out of the street? It's it's pretty pretty wild. I love that at Broadway cons. I love that they do the honor system at Augusta. Let's let's picture the U.S. Open at Beth Page. Like if you put your chair down there, you New Yorkers are not just going to let some guy leave their chair there at your cons. You're not going to go with the honor system at the U.S. Open, is it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I played a small money game yesterday, and there's people sweating my fucking nuts about certain things that I did. You know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta, if you pick up your golf ball to line it up for a putt. I don't know. Oh, I have I, the markdown. I have the markdown. Cons. Markdown. Yeah. I mean, we're playing fucking ten bucks a hole. I got the markdown. I'm gonna miss the putt. Who, who cares? But yes, I would imagine that at the, at the Masters or something crazy like that, you, you know, you don't get away with much. I mean, that guy got kicked out because his caddy was in. Testing the dirt in the bunker, right? <laughs> yeah, that was that bad. He was a U.S. amateur, but how big of a deal was that? I mean, that cost the kid the match. And funny story, we went to Bandon Dunes for Uppy's Dachshund <laughs> Dachshund <laughs> golf trip, <laughs> and Loops had this caddy, and this kid was a fucking beauty, but an absolute stoner, right? Yeah, Uppy? were you in our were you in our group? I was Wait. playing in the group ahead of behind okay, you. Okay, I was so in the tell, group. Tell so he was Loops' caddy, and we get to this par five on the back, and Loops has been sandbagging us all all week yeah, long. Loops he's, is getting way he's too many been shooting shots. way too good for a twelve handicap, and we get to the back. <laughs> We hit the pen. We're feeling pretty good. We just get nice and baked. And this oh, yeah. this caddy is looking at us, and he's he's telling Loops, "All right, hit the five. What Loops crushes his drive on a par five. And now it's like a over a bunker, kind of to the left, blind shot. And Loops is just he's like, yeah." Bomb it over that way, fuck it, you'll hit the green, no problem. And Loops is like looking at this green, he's like, fuck, it seems kind of far. <laughs> so he just ropes a five wood, and he comes up what looks like 220 yards short of this one green. And he's looking at the guy, and the guy's like, Caddy's like, where, where are you going? He's like, you fucking greens behind the bunker on this side. <laughs> so Loops there was two like, holes. There was yeah, two there holes. was two holes. <laughs> and the stoner caddy fucking told Loops to go down the right, and Loops ripped it, came up short, and Loops was like, what the fuck, man? So we could tell how that could happen to that caddy because he was just a little stoner beauty. So Was that the same caddy same that got caddy. in trouble? Same caddy that oh, cost wow. the guy. Cons was on the last been cheating for Good a while. guy though. Good guy. I don't. I just think as up. He's a great guy. I just think he was so big that he probably looked at it and was like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, you can't. If you're a caddy, you can't cost your guy. I don't care. No. I don't care if he's the greatest guy in the world. You can't cost your Especially guy. Especially when match. he's he's not your real caddy. You're just the fill-in caddy for the week. You yeah, can't, because yeah, you, can't. you need these guys at Bend and Dunes because yeah. cons it's so windy and and you, you need these caddies to tell you where to hit it during certain winds. So right. They had to hire these guys, and, and the poor guy cost them. A- yeah, that was a huge tournament for that kid, too. That's just a joke. I'm sorry, but it, when golf, when, when they become that strict for something your caddy accidentally does in a stupid bunker, I, I, I don't know. That's, I agree. I, I couldn't believe it cost them. Hazy. Stupid sport. Wrapping up the Masters, is there a guy who who you like this week? If, if you had to put put you on the spot here, if you put a little that hard-earned cheddar you made in the National League, who would you put it on? Uh, with the odds, it's... I don't know. I'm looking at Jason Day at 40 to one and Ricky Fowler at 66 to one. That's probably like the guys that I'm putting my dough on this week. 
But all I honestly care for is Tiger to be in contention come the weekend. Then it's fun to watch. I'll tell you what, Jason Day had a top five last week in Houston. So, yep. you know what, for our listeners out there, Broadway Jimmy Scoops may be on to something here. Updog, is there anyone that you kind of pulling for or you think so? We wanted the, to bet. The big kahuna. The Bryson DeChambeau. Fuck, is he just, he gets oh. bigger and bigger. Yeah, he's, 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 on, the O'Brien, the range, he's right? on the O'Brien diet, that fucking guy. <laughs> What's he, he's eight to one? I think he's eight to yeah, one he's, to win. Yeah, yeah plus seven fifty right yeah, now. Yeah, DJ's nine to one. I like DJ. Yeah, yeah. I, I like DJ yeah. too with no fans. I think with his personality, just kind of a goofy guy. I think with no fans might help him. The bet we wanted to take on the Sprinter van up uh, Broadway was we wanted to take Freddie to make the cut because Couples always seems to play great at Augusta. We played with him a couple weeks ago, like we said. He was striping it, but whatever site the Updog has. Doesn't I have can't Freddy. find can't it. If you... Find... if you can find it, let us know because we, we want to take Freddie to make the cut. So. Will your old man take that bet? Yeah, my old man. Yeah, business. Uh, business was down. Tickets are down this year. My old man's phone's open. You guys knew. <laughs> Action's always encouraged. Well, you, no juice though, right? If we lose, no juice. A friend like Mister oh, Curfew always discount. Juice. Always, always juice. Okay. juice. Always juice. Always juice. Okay, maybe a discount on the juice. I don't know. Mister <laughs> Curfew right here. We'll give you eight percent discount. <laughs> But yeah, Masters Week, boys, I'm fired up. We were watching it on the way up in the Sprinter Van live at the Masters. You got to love that shit. There was a picture that surfaced here, Hazy. I don't know if you saw it. I think I sent it to you. I know you're a big Drake guy, OVO. The great one with the swag, with the OVO hoodie, with the nice three-quarter pea jacket and some National League slacks you had on. What did you think when you saw that right away? Oh, I loved it. And I think Drake was probably happier than me. Having having the great one rocking your brand, that's just... That's unbelievable. But the one thing I want to know is, you know, you got the Jordan brand. How come Gretzky doesn't have his own brand? I feel like this guy could crush it. And he's looking good in that picture. That's a great question. Winner never ups. Winner never I had mean, his own clothing all line, his, He's had his wine. He's had uh, his restaurant in Toronto. Yeah. He used to have a Wayne Gretzky. Does he have there. like a 99 golf yeah. shirt? Like the Greg Norman, like Shark? Yeah, he know? must have something like that. Yeah. If it is, it didn't do it. Didn't no, do but he had a good well. restaurant in Toronto. Wayne Gretzky's in the summertime in Toronto. You go up to the rooftop Oasis. Yeah. Ooh, hazy. I was I've seen the ball well back in the I day. Actually, I've been there. I went there during a Maple Leafs development camp. I was there with all the fellas. Before my <laughs> draft, I went in there and, and met Gretzky, which was crazy. My mom, my mom, when she was pregnant with me, long story, uh, walked through the airport in Edmonton, saw Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky actually said hello to her and like touched her belly. So my mom wow. always says that this is like this crazy. So you were a national was, from the start. That I was given as like when she was, and then sure enough, my draft night, the night before my draft, we walk in and. Um, He's sitting with my world junior coach, Stan Butler. So I went over and said hi and brought him back to the table. He introduced himself to my parents. My mom told him a quick story and, and you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Gretzky's a great coach. dude. Great I was just going to ask you, I've never even met Wayne. All my years playing, played against him, obviously, when he was coaching the updog. I'd love to get him on to just talk about coaching the updog. That could be a whole podcast. But how, how did you meet the great one, Con? Um, it's funny. I met him the same day I met Carcillo. Was at, uh, you know how at the Staples Center they have the icebox? Which are the greatest seats in, in between the benches or right between the benches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gretzky was going for his 100th win as a coach, and uh, Carcillo was on the team, and I was sort of in that seat all the way to the right. So Carcillo was like sitting next to me through the glass, and he's like, "What are you doing tonight?" <laughs> I was like, ah, "Looking at him, right?" So I could see Gretzky <laughs> and Tate kind of looking at us, and I was like, "Why? Well, you want to go out? We're having a full conversation, by the way, during the game." He scores like, no joke, bro. You could look it up. The guy scores a sports center goal. Car bomb does. Skates to center ice and points at me in the, in the stands. I'm like, oh, this guy's amazing. The end of the game, Gretzky taps on the glass. He's like, would you mind coming back and uh, meeting my guy that you had all riled up the whole game? So I went back. And, but Gretzky's cool. He took, us, he took us out for golf. And 
when I was doing my 30 for 30, you know, he about the Islanders, like Wayne Gretzky doesn't need to sit down for an interview to talk about how he lost to the Islanders, but he just said, yeah, man, what's, you know, and he just, boom, he was there. He's just a good dude, man. He really is. So when they lost to the Islanders, was that his first time in the Stanley Cup Finals? And then he went on to go on the run, right? Well, he tells the story how, you know, the year that he scored all those points, when he had 214 points or whatever, the Islanders, whatever, I know, roll your eyes about me talking about the Islanders, but the Islanders (laughs) shut him out. He had zero points in the finals, and and they got swept. And he said, you know, the way the locker rooms are set up, that you got to walk past the Islander locker room. And they said when they walked past the Islanders locker room, they were all covered in ice and banged up and we were all squeaky clean and they said going into camp the next year said we need to look like that to win the cup and then they beat the islanders the following year i'd like to see the game footage from that stanley cup finals how much of use is a great one taking well, that he didn't get a point yeah like Was held he, did he scoreless 214 points during the regular season and had a goose egg that is unbelievable um yeah. with wow. the swag though hazy i'm a huge drake guy I, I know you know that when i saw the ovo hoodie on the great one I was like, he wears that outfit. I mean, he could do damage no matter what. But this guy fucks is what I'm saying. This guy fucks. Do you think he that's his wife? That. Saying, Wayne, get with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably Janet. Where does that? What, what's where is the he going? On <laughs> I, I, How long ago was the it? photo taken? It just came out yesterday. It, it just came, came out. out. Does that mean it was taken yesterday? Drake has it on his Instagram too. Did right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, the first time I saw it, I was I doing sports that last night and saw it. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I got to talk to the missing curfew crew about this. It's a good outfit. I don't know that I can pull that off. I think you could. I no, think you could. listen, I'm too short for the three-quarter That's jacket. True. You'd have to go just standard people. young, coat. too. Right. He looked young. He yeah. looks like he's maybe not drinking, and he looks he looks good, man. Yeah, That's yeah. why I wasn't sh- I'm sh- surprised that was recent. He didn't have the whiskey face going like he normally does, does he? Obviously, he's got that nice little yeah, rosy, he, great one whiskey face going. He could take a he could take a Grey Goose and soda down with the best of them. He oh, was, when we were playing that round of golf, he would be, like, chipping out from the grass, and he would, like, chip one up onto the green and roll it couple inches from the cup and go got her in the nickname nickname. (laughs) (laughs) yeah six swag so we we were lucky enough to have steven stamkos on last podcast and stammer did an unbelievable job and and thanks again to him and for our listeners i hope you guys enjoyed it and just a couple things that he that he had touched on first of all the cup would sink am i the only meathead i did not know that okay i would have bet my life i would have bet the cup floats and okay we came to the conclusion the cup sinks Boys. They should look into that. Yeah, has it ever sank before? How have we never heard of it sank? It must have, like, at a cottage in Ontario or British Columbia or wherever. Or in someone's, off, someone's off, pool. Something. Someone's pool. Yeah. Does it fall off the back of the boat and the guy's got to, the cup guy, cons his boy's got to dive in with the white gloves and it's go, gotta to, have a chip in it. go to the bottom of Lake Muskoka and grab it up or what? I don't know, but I have a story about this cup almost fucking drowning in a Vegas pool when I was with the St. Louis Blues two years ago. So you knew that? Yeah, no, I seen it almost go in. I saw Tyson Fury's. One of his fucking henchmen, one of his boys. The boxer, Tyson Fury. Yes, the boxer, Tyson Fury. I show up, and I'm partying with the Blues. They won their cup. I did not stay. I was stayed fucking six feet apart. I was doing COVID. Social distancing. distancing. I was social distancing. He was fucking doing damage. And he didn't pull a flowers. No, I was not. Flowers is fucking China's best to stick broads on top of that. Flowers gets another shout out every week. But um, so Tyson Fury and his whole crew come in, and – the boys have the hot tub like going. You know the thing at Wet Republic? They have the fucking pools with the hot tub and sure the private cabana. So they're sure all do. in the hot tub. Yep. David Perron's carrying around this thing, and he's showing it to the pool, like to the fucking masses at the pool party. And he's the got place it over going wild? The place was going wild. All like kind of trashy broads just all Perfect. doing their thing. One of Tyson Fury's <laughs> buddies comes over and pushes David Perron from behind 
right into the hot tub. Like the fucking cup almost flew over the glass. Bouncers come over, chase this guy out of the club. It was it was one of Tyson's Fury's best buddies. And Perron managed to hold on to this thing. Like 40 pounds getting pushed over babes into the pool. It was crazy. But I don't hang sink. on to that. Thing I didn't think that, I no, that there's goal. no way that thing was going. If he let that go, it was hurting someone. And everyone had their oh. cameras out and filming. Right, it, it would have knocked somebody yeah, out. It could have killed bad. someone. It was bad. Also, too, the one thing, one thing I would say, you know, about the Stanley Cup, like more so than any other sport, when that Stanley Cup shows up at a place, I don't care if you've ever watched a hockey game in your life, it's a fucking showstopper. I couldn't agree more. And Uppy mentioned this when he went to Vegas. And same thing when I went to Brian O'Reilly's Stanley Cup party cons. When when he pulled it out, Factor, and we went back to have a J-Moore or a Blue Label, I was I was still like, holy fuck, In every awe, time you right. see it. Yeah, a Broadway? Oh, yeah. That thing is, like you said, that thing's turning heads if you're walking into a club with that. That's, Big star uh, power. That's an easy oh, yeah. way to get laid. That's why I was so upset when I heard they take it away at midnight, boys. You can't be taking it away I, at midnight. I, still, I think that's the Not company line. So anyways, anybody with boys out, win it out there. In the future, that fucker sinks, so keep her on land. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Keep her on land. Heads up on those little, little boats, boys. And just one thing about Stammer, too, boys, and we're all old pros here. And, you know, when he said, we asked him, Uppy, what was the turning point? You know, you guys have been through some tough times. Your turning point, and he said, Broadway and cons, their trip to Sweden. Their five, five or six days they went out, they got banged up, and their veteran group and all their group felt like that was the time it was a turning point. And for me as an old pro, it made my heart warm a little bit that that's still... The mentality that's still happening in the NHL. That's why you have guys in your team like the Shattenkirks and Patty Maroons and guys that keep the, the Killhorns, guys that just keep fucking the you know the camaraderie, the, the tightness uh, of the group when things get shitty because things do get shitty during eighty-two game season. It's like it's things aren't always fucking positive around here, especially when the coaches get on you. People's wives are all over them for different. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of different things that you know bring bring you down throughout the year. It's fucking cold, whether you're in Ottawa or Calgary, uh, and you need guys around that keep things fucking smooth and make you feel good. And and a trip like that is uh, is just what the doctor ordered for those boys. On a on a lesser level, when we started Entourage after everybody was cast, before we started shooting the pilot, Mark Wahlberg chartered the bird and got all the boys on the plane That's awesome. for an oh. epic weekend in Vegas. And then when we stepped on the set, we had the little chemistry yeah we saw each other at like different you know yeah. we got to see what each other's hangovers looked like <laughs> yeah. and got to got see to like the good the hey, bad God, where, where'd you end up there the other night kind of thing. yeah but it, it it worked obviously a a 14-day trip to on the other side of the world is is uh next level but yeah i'm sure that's good bonding yeah uh, so hayes i got a question and i got a night i know updog does was there a night throughout your career obviously it doesn't take to win the stanley cup because we know how hard that is but where your team came together and you kind of made a turning point with a big win, a big night out. Did that ever happen to you throughout your career? Yeah, the one that uh, rings a bell is the year I played in New Jersey, the year that I was basically healthy scratch the whole year, but great locker room guy. So great they kept glue me around. guy, glue guy. Stay glue warm. Glue guy, had to be there. Stay and warm. The, 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 big, the big night we had was, was rookie party in Vegas at that uh, marquee. And we're coming down the, uh, the end of the season here. It was in March, and we're just outside of um, the playoffs. And after that party at marquee, we ended up going uh, winning eight out of the next ten, and that's what got us into the playoffs. I mean, we ran into Tampa in the first round and lost in five games, I believe. But that was huge for us. It was a bonding point for a team. And it's like you said, when you have a big night out, that next game is the biggest one because if you want to have nights out, you have to win the next night. We went into Vegas, beat them eight to three. It was a spanked them after having a hell of a night at Marquee. Marquee's a great spot in Vegas. He used to go off back in the day. Before you touch on your shops, for me, boys. I was in Nashville. 
you know, we've been battling with Detroit for the for first in the in the Central back in the day, and, and we had a big win in Vancouver. We had two nights off, or maybe three nights off, before we played Calgary. Huge win in Vancouver. I think we came back. Anyways, long story short, the whole team goes out. I mean, the entire team goes out to a certain extent, and most of the team stays out till late. So I get back to the fucking Weston for a board bully, Weston Bayshore <laughs> at five thirty. I still got my suit on, but my shirt's undone. I'm fucking. And I'm walking in with a, with a girl, right? And, and and her outfit is, you know, she's got it out. And so I'm walking towards the elevator, and our assistant GM, and Fenton, Paul Fenton, oh, yeah, yeah. is coming out of the <laughs> elevator to make his flight. He's going to the Vancouver airport to catch his flight back to Nashville or wherever to go to scout. So I'm like, hey, sweetheart, this is like my assistant boss here, so if you could just kind of tighten it up. But there's no tightening it up. We walk by him, and I'm like, hey, Fence, how you doing, buddy? He's like... Don't worry, Obi didn't see anything. So I was like, fucking right. So I go back to the room. Good I see, guy. You know, good guy. I'm like, you know, <laughs> next day we have a team curling event. I show up in Trotsy. Obes. I'm like, fuck. He's like, what time did you get home last night? I said, Trotsy. It was a little late. Like, But I go, Trotsy, it was a great night. Our team came together. Everybody was out. I'm telling you, the mojo we got going in this dressing room right now, like, don't be worried what time we got home. Like, we, we took a step last night, beating Vancouver at home. They were leading the Western Conference at the time. We're fucking Trotsy. Trust me, that night was huge. He's like, yeah, yeah, just slow down a little bit. I'm like, Okay, I'll pick my spots a little better. He's like, I did hear you had some nice company with you, though. So, so, so offense sizzled me, but at least he said I was with a decent-looking girl. So, Updog, do you have a night in your career that kind of jumps out or throughout your career? I had a bunch. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know what? Making things like a, a turnaround for a season um, a couple times, whether it's you know the, the much-needed All-Star break, the much-needed rookie party, uh, there was one time in Philly we started off horrendously, like one and eight, and uh, we went through the West Coast tour. We had some nights in L.A. that we were going to get to, but we were so fucking shitty. And we played in San Jose, and we lost in San Jose, and we had we had a night off. And Richie and Jason Smith called a fucking mandatory team, like, boozing day at it, just this random pub. We went in there, and fucking Richie got absolutely juiced. <laughs> and I remember him looking across, and, and I, I could see him, like, start looking at fucking Steve Downey as in, like, Downey, you're a rookie, and you've been kind of... You've been horseshit, but you're, you're treating this like, and he fucking, he kind of calls him out in a point where we're like, fuck, I think Richie's serious. Never really seen this out of him so far. And sure enough, <laughs> that night we're all pickled. I think we carried him home. We all had to carry ourselves home. From there on, I think we went, we started one and eight. I think we won the next 12 of 14 and ended up making conference finals that year. That year. So something like that, even it's not a huge bender, but it's just a night where you're like, you know, we're going out. We're getting shit faced. We're gonna hash hash all this shit out, and then we're gonna we're gonna turn things around. Yeah, no, the, the same thing happened to, to, to. I'm not gonna compare myself to Mike Richards. I was the captain team, but my first year in Vancouver, we lost eight straight at home. And Willie Mitchell, a guy who I love to play with, I know you boys love Mitchie. I was in the doghouse with AV. We were losing, like you said, Uppy, and and Mitchie was pissed off, and he went after Mason Raymond, and he was probably right. You know, Mason was the type of guy I love. Mason Raymond, he probably needed a kick in the ass at that point. And for me, my reaction was, I'm not going to let Willie Mitchell go after a guy who doesn't want to fight. And next thing you know, I come after Mitchie. We're fighting in the corner. <laughs> like, you know, and we, and we ended up winning the next night or two nights later, snapped our way out of it and ended up having a good season. So not only does it come to when you go out with the boys ups, like you said, sometimes in practice, Broadway, you know, fuck it. We're men. Oh, yeah. We're doing yeah. a men's job. Sometimes shit happens when you're on a losing streak. The Robert Tuzo and Zach Sanford yeah. situation. Bobo yeah, got a three-year deal. were the worst. I, said, I remember the one year I was in Wilkes-Barre, we had a pregame skate 
tilt with a goalie in one of the forwards. These two guys had a fucking fight in pre-game, pre-game skate. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Me the fucking pasta's like overcooked. Hey, me and, wow. me and Dustin Penner got in a fight, an optional skate in Atlanta my rookie year. And Big Penn <laughs> put me in a fucking headlock. And I was like trying to throw punches. And this guy's, I'm like, this fucker's going to choke me out UFC style. And that you was one of my best fight friends. with Penner? At a morning skate in Atlanta, optional. There was like six guys on the How ice. does that happen, bro? I, you know what? I, I, I think we were probably a little I don't co- think it was because you guys were digging in the corners battling for No, bucks, well, right? I would say that we were at Cheetah's the night before. Which is <laughs> okay, so club, here we so go. So we were out a it's little a late. It's a spillover from the night before. We, we had probably thought that no one was skating in the morning. And then we probably got a text late night or early in the morning. Probably the night before. When we, were, we were like, fuck it. We're still going to go out. That we had to skate. Were you both in the lineup? We were both in the lineup. We were both in the lineup. And, um, yeah, so but I did something in Penn's. You know, Penn's, he's a funny, sarcastic fuck at times. I cross-checked him. The big man comes over. I dropped my gloves right away. He, I don't even know if he dropped his gloves. He just put me in a fucking human headlock. He's a big boy. And I was like, ah, ah. I was a little lighter then, but I'm like, ah. <laughs> And I wasn't going to tap. I wasn't going to tap cons. Broadway, what if, would you let Penner put you in a headlock? No way. No way. That guy is huge. <laughs> like you said, he's going to choke you out and... Probably under 10 seconds. So no, but you're not letting him time. get his hands around you, Broadway. You're hitting him with a chair. Oh, you got to string him out, Bobes. <laughs> you got to be ready. You got to jump him. Those are the guys you got to jump. I was in the headlock. I was trying to punch like that, and I, and I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even getting them. And it was just like but, – but point is, I don't think a lot of people well, – maybe they do, but sometimes through the course of a season, you don't see stuff that goes on behind closed doors. Sometimes it's a big night out with the boys that after a win that gets you to that next level. And other times up, like you said, it's a great point. You just got to, you know, sometimes if it's a practice fight or, or, or a captain like Mike Richards calling you out, um, you know, we're all men. We respect that. And, and that's just, that's part of the game. If, if you're not performing your leadership, that's part of the group. So I just thought it was really cool that Stammer, you know, said that about the boys getting banged up. It says up. a lot for their, for their glue guys. That's, yeah, uh, that's fucking I thought it was pretty cool. A fight in practice is good intensity, right? A fight in practice is a good is good intensity for sure. So, does the coach like a fight in practice? Um, it depends. <laughs> Not when you're arguing about cheetahs. Our guest just showed up with absolute beauties in the house. Um, I, I always thought practice fights. Obviously, you don't want to hurt your teammates. You're not trying to put them through the ice, but it happens. You want practice to be intense. Well, that's what I'm saying. Coaches go, look, these guys are fired up, but not when you're fighting about the the club the night before. Yeah, not if you're fighting. Over, not if you're fighting over who paid for the fucking tab that I have for. <laughs> but like, typically, I think coaches like it, and um, it's hockey. It's hockey. It's I always like coaches I, love it. I always coaches like when there's a good it. practice fight going on. And so. some of the young kids, eh? They're they're looking around like, holy fuck, these guys are. I remember. What one, do I get myself oh, into? I remember the one kid, Colin Wilson, who actually just came out with a great article on the Players Tribune. Um, and I didn't know this at the time that he was dealing with what he was dealing with, but I abused this kid in practice because I thought he had so much upside, and he wasn't. You know, he'd come to the rank joking around, and he was a rookie, and, I love and it just—he's a great kid. It just didn't sit well with me. And every day in practice, I went out of my way. Maybe I'm a bully. Probably am. But no, he my, appreciates it now. I went out of my way to fucking <laughs> yeah. cross check him, finish my checks, get in his face, and be like, "Hey, Willie, yeah, you go out and have a good time, but you got to come in here, buddy. This is why you can have a good time because you put your work in. And and when you're on a good team, you're a rookie, pay your fucking dues. And but, the bigger numbers you put up, the better time you can have. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, thanks again to Stammer. He's a fucking beauty, and he was absolute legend last he week. He was great, but, dude, Getzlaff is still, in the history of Action Park, I, I got to say, Getzlaff is very impressive to me, waiting on the jersey to be framed. GM. I actually played golf with Getzy a couple weeks ago, and we're, and I said, hey, you made a good impression on, Con- on Connolly. He's, he's compared you to Jeter, and he doesn't use Jeter comparisons lightly. So. I don't. 
You know, I don't. So and he, just, was, he was also in the room. Maybe Stamkos is in the room. I don't know. But looking at Getzlaff, it's just he's great. Yeah, we're actually just fresh off a of Friday uh, shamble victory. Getzy and I. You just want to fuck. We won a sick, sick tournament at Pelican Hill. Team cons on charity events. We won these like glass size dildo trophies. Does he hit the shit out of the ball? Crystal, Crystal I mean, he put him and Uppy on the same shamble team. Are they both lefties? We are minus thirteen. Minus thirteen. Whoa! Getsy has a short little swing, kind of like Uppy, and just pounds it. And the one thing about Getsy through, he gets his Tony Fina, Shakira, Shakira. The one thing I will say about Getsy, he would admit this, and it's shocking. He's, I know he's one of your, your favorite players we wanted to play with. He can't putt. Oh, yeah. Or I shouldn't say he can't putt. His one weakness no, he's is putting. stabby. He's, he's too stabby. big. Yeah, he's got a long putter, but he's a little stabby. <laughs> For a guy that has such sick mitts on the ice, he's... He just he wants to use his hands with the, the putter, too, Uppy. I can't blame him. That's true. He wants to get a little wristy with it, doesn't he? He's yeah. got to pick up the spider. He might need the spider. Collins, we can get you a spider if you want one. <laughs> I got a spider, Oh, you bro. got a spider. I, what do you think? Wow. I got a spider. Wow, look at you. Um... We touched on RFAs last week, and, and you know what? Collins made a joke that Sweet Lou doesn't listen to the podcast, and I might have to disagree. I think Sweet Lou may be tuning into Missy Curfew. He is there. not tuning into Missy Curfew. <laughs> I think he Sweet Lou shows up day. to whatever office they have there, and he said, let's see what the Missy Curfew boys are saying. Jimmy Scoops, let's see what he's saying. But I was right about Palak. They Collins, just can't let this guy go. I want to ask you, Palak's deal, two years, ten bananas. As an Islanders ambassador, what do you think? Good deal for both sides, I feel. I think, I think, they got, I think it's a team-friendly deal compared to what this guy's going to do this year. I, I, Broadway, I want to get your take on it. I think for him, take a two-year deal, five bananas a year is a lot. See where the league is in a couple years, new TV deal. He may get, after two years, then he gets his real big ticket. Yeah, that's like the, the smartest thing the kid did. He could have got himself locked into a longer-term deal. I bet they probably wanted to lock him into a longer one, but if he keeps performing at the level he's performing, this kid's going to be getting another pay raise, and he's going to be high-paid defenseman in this league. He really does have that, uh, his demeanor. He's got that Shea, Shea Weber, Weber demeanor. You're not going to see him stumbling around the bar. Not, well, not that I saw, but he <laughs> just has that kind of serious, like, yeah. oh, yeah, how you doing, man? You know, you shake, shake his yeah. head. He's a cool guy, but he's like serious hockey guy. Yeah, no, it would be tough to get Webbs out. And, and Nashville's such a small town when I played from one year, but... When you did get the big lumberjack out, look out. He could, we did get him to that rookie party. Yeah, he could put them back. Where Tutu smacked my drink out of my hand for no reason. But that's yeah. the I know. We'll get Toots on. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have him on. on the pause to tell you exactly why he did that. Collins, congrats on the deal. Sweet Lou, I think that's a good team-friendly deal, as Kevin said. Jimmy Scoops, what do you got on the East Coast with the boys working out when it comes to next season and the, the, the money and the escrow? What do you got? Uh, there's lots of rumors. These guys are trying to figure out when to – when do we stop working out? When do we start working on our game? So these guys are just up in the air with when the league's going to start. I mean, those guys are in there. They're training hard right now. These kids are in tip-top shape. I think that's the way, the, like Stamco said, the NHL's going, you got to make sure you show up in a shape. But these guys are trying to figure out when are they going to start working on their skills. You don't want to get on the ice too early. Sometimes you get hockeyed out when you start getting on the ice too early. But there's a huge rumor. There's huge rumor right now with the owners – thinking about letting the guys play without fans but then that's going to become with another pay cut to these guys check so with escrow another pay cut and taxes going up huh, i don't pl- know if i'm you're playing for the love that. of the game aren't you <laughs> you know, I too. You got a family but i gotta take care of people jimmy any of these guys coming to work out in the mornings with any good stories about thumping thumping any babes or what are they having fun? Uh, are they having the, fun right they, now, or what are they doing? Are the boys uh, late to workouts? Guys, a lot of these guys are having some nice uh, COVID-friendly weekends. 
They're good. having some uh, good, not too much social distancing going COVID on during the weekend. COVID-friendly weekends. Interesting. Let me sit on that one for a minute. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. So what I'm saying is uh, <laughs> not much social distancing going on. So anti-COVID, gotcha. I should have said. Sleeping gotcha. in odd numbers, boys. I, I, I would like to see, I told myself in this, though, I would just like to see the updog back in the day, mid-career. COVID happens. I would like to see what the updog would have done. gets COVID early on purpose <laughs> yeah, so and, he doesn't have to deal with it. I think that's exactly I would just quarantine the girls in my house for 14 days. <laughs> so, Broadway, I have one last question that, that I have. What? And obviously everybody's different, but I'm going to take like a Getzlaff and a Crosby. You know, these guys, these younger guys, Barzil, they, they, their bodies can still do whatever they want. But at, when you look at the Crosbys and the Ovechkins and Getzlaff, what what are those guys doing? Like, did Getzlaff work out this morning? And if so, did he skate? Is he lifting weights? Is he playing hockey? Or is he doing the Upshaw Instagram workout? <laughs> Man, those Instagram workouts that's, are fucking wow. Those are awesome. I mean, you better warm up for those. I, I like the ones where Uppy would do the one where he's running, like around, the, when he was running around the track. He looked, he looked like a fucking Gillette commercial. No, like, or, or he, he running up, the, doing the steps. Doing yeah, the yeah. steps. steps. I said, dig in. No up, tarp on in. every time. Eh? No, yeah. It's California. Yeah, he left it in the car. There's a tarp. He didn't even bring the tarp to the track. It was in the car. There's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a method behind his madness, boys. But but seriously, Broadway, what do you think? Did Getz, your boy Getzlaff work out today? Did he skate? What did he do? Um, I think Getz's got getting on that Tom Brady uh, workout plan. I think the older you get, like he's a guy that's so big and strong. I, I think his strength's going to be there. But for him, I just think he's just staying sharp with his skills. That's the way to do it. I know guys like Keith Yandel who have been in the league forever. He's showing up. He's working out. But he's always working on his skills in his game as well. I think that's where they're going to stay relevant because the game is so high end with the skill these days. And I mean, these guys are top notch players. These guys are all stars. But I mean, you got to keep up with these kids. Yeah, we played. We played with Getzy last week, and um, he had skated that morning. Oh, so he's so, so he's, on, he's back on the ice. And for Getzy, and, and it's the same thing as Stammer touched on last week, Uppy, and you brought it up. And you know, you went through a lot with rehabbing and, and keeping yourself ready and making a comeback. And, and just what Stammer said, I don't think they're in there you know, doing squats and cleans and all this stuff. They're, they're stretching out, they're getting their cardio in and they're getting on the ice. And right. from what I've heard from Getsy cons to answer your question is, yeah, he's back on the ice. Um, I think he's going three or four days a week shooting pucks. Yeah. I mean, guy hasn't played a fucking competitive game since March. Right. So even for a guy like Getz, I'm sure his body feels rested, but uh, he's back. He's definitely back skating with the young kids and, and keeping those young fucks honest out there. I know he's taking his new boat up to Havasu this weekend. Did he get a fucking new yeah, boat? I got the invite. You oh, did, huh? You guys. Does that mean the I sprinters did, available for next the week? Sprinter <laughs> might be available. He's got the new. He's, he bought the new Ford 250 diesel, so he's he's loading that. So what, he's you, loading you the guys, family you up guys up. stack one charity golf tournament together, and now oh, you get yeah. the invite to Havasu. Of course, of I course. Havasu is nice. Time Obi has a gleam in his eye. Look how excited Obi is. I'm upset that guy's blushing. Let's get probably worried I'm too heavy to get on the boat. <laughs> hey, you sit in that back left corner. That wave will be nice. Oh, hey, that nice yeah. wave. Hey, you'll get a good wake going, buddy. I'm the best spotter. Be back, I'm the best spotter back there. Oh no, up you went down. Turn the boat around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love you, boys. We got a great guest coming in. An unbelievable old pro legend. Uh, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Missing Curfew, Up Dog. We have an all-time legend guest in the studio here today. A guy that we've known for a long time. A uh, thousand twenty-nine matches in the National League. That's a couple. That's big a, numbers. That's too. a big number. Um, Russ Cordell, Russie, thanks for joining the boys here. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. 
I screwed up Dave. already. I freaking drove here, and you guys are drinking beautiful red wine over there. I, I know, think, right? I think you mentioned that we'd have a glass of red wine. <laughs> I, 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 I thought that, you weren't serious. I offered Rusty a glass of wine. He said no, and that was the first time since I met him he ever said no to a glass of red wine or, or a cigar. In his defense, it is 11.30 a.m. That's true. That's true. We, we <laughs> hasn't stopped you should have been here at 10. You should have been here at 10. You should see my Gaza Ranch that doesn't stop Rusty at 10. So, yeah, Rusty, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. One of my all-time – I'll just kick it off, too. I met you about three, four, maybe four years ago. Heard lots about you. Uh, played in St. Louis where your brother was, uh, was an all-time legend. Good-looking cat. I was told that no one had as good a hair uh, as anyone <laughs> since the Jeff Cornell days when I showed up there. So that was, that was good. But we, uh, we played at Gosner Ranch. We went in for, uh, for what was called the Reverly Golf Tournament. Mm-hmm. And we just so happened that we fucking took the thing down, didn't we? We took her down. Was that the first time you guys, that was the first time you guys had met, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a late edition. Yeah. Rusty Kelly Chase. Me, Kelly Chase texted me uh, last minute. I actually hit him up. I'm like, hey, I got some boys that are members here at Big Canyon. They're all flying up for the golf tournament at Gauzer. And uh, fuck, am I, any, any guys need a guy? You know, you need a guy? And fuck, sure enough, he's like, yeah, Rusty, actually, he's coming in. Uh, he's coming in today. He needs a, he needs a last minute partner, so. Just so happened that they didn't know. They Just put the two chemistry. Oh, two, we hit it off. You get two beauties together like oh. that, and fucking good things happen. Took All about night. sixty seconds. <laughs> we were best friends. Yeah, you, show, you show up, the cigar box open. Hey, you want a stogie? You fucking right. I want a stogie. Yeah. You want a glass? You know, are we drinking tequila or are we drinking vodka? Anything. I remember so. I texted up you throughout that thing. I said, "How's it going up there?" Because I, I hadn't met you yet either. I met you after, or had I no. met you? Yeah, we played golf at Sherwood with. Uh, oh, that's right. With, with Richardson, uh, Penner, and, and uh, Penner, you and Loops. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. That's right. Long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Long time ago. But I'm like texting up. I'm like, "How's it going up there?" He's like, "Fuck, Rusty's a beauty. We're having a great time. We're actually leading this fucking thing." And then I'm like, "How much sleep have you been getting up there?" He's like, "Oh, oh it's not a lot of sleep." He's like, "This guy's a ranch is unbelievable." Oh, I left my mark there, didn't I? Yeah, Russ? You, yeah, you did. You Jeez. fit right in, and it was a, a beautiful. Well, the the winning part was was great, but uh, the four days of fun was uh, it was out of this world. It was so it's much. It's fucking so like Disneyland up there. Oh gosh. For the for the listeners, Gaza Ranch. We talked about it, but it's it's in Idaho. It's a little discovery project, you know. Uh, Mike Melman owns all the beautiful golf course communities around the world, and Rusty's been been working with them for six years. But a lot of good athletes there, a lot of good people uh, who just enjoy life, and fuck, they do a great time putting these golf tournaments on, don't they? Yeah, if uh, Gauzer wasn't the name of the ranch, they'd call it Guzzle. Yeah, Guzzle Ranch. Because <laughs> that, tre- that tree bar will oh, get you, Rusty. The tree it. bar uh, this summer was shut down most of the summer because of COVID. It yeah. was the only thing that they didn't open, and so that saved uh, no saved way. us. Yeah, no, where would you only... get the tacos on the turn? Well, they yeah, they, the they, tacos out. No, I know they shut that. That was the only thing that wasn't really going. They had it open for a bit, and we had a little bit of a COVID scare, so they shut it down. And I then... will tell you, I will own a home in Gazer. Out of boy, there you go. That's what Rusty That's likes it. to hear. I'm go from L.A. to Gazer from May. To September, October, and that's it. I'm gonna fish and golf all day long. And Rusty, the place for hockey players. You know, there's a ton of retired guys there, but there's yeah. been some current players that still play that are members there. It's, it's a good setup for those guys because they take the boat over across the lake, right? They can skate there, yep. work out there, tee it up in the afternoon. So it's a great setup for hockey guys. It's been great. So Dougie Waite and uh, Wayne Gretzky were the first two hockey players there. Gretz brought me up, and then Holly, and we've got Chaser and. We uh, Sheldon Saray, Barrett Jackman, Morrow, Whitney, uh, Carlo, Whitney. Um, 
I'm gonna miss somebody. <laughs> Fucking good squad of a yeah. pickup Bobby game. Ryan was there. Bobby, Bobby Ryan, just, Tyler, yeah. Tyler, Tyler Johnson. Johnson, John Cooper, Coach John Cooper. So. Bill. We were retired when we uh calls Cooper yeah. Creek. Smug. <laughs> Smug. Trey's a great guy. He took guy. down he's, the he took down the you know, Yeah, that's yeah, not why yeah. that's not why. Yeah. You'd love Coop. He's, he's, he's the best funny things he's in press great. conferences. I wish I wish I played for a coach like Coop. But anyways, we were retired when we got up there and the, but our kids were playing hockey a lot of us, so we helped build this rink that had uh blown down in a in a snowstorm. It, it, the roof caved in. So we helped raise some money. Had these exhibition games, raised some money, they built the rink, and then our kids could we could stay there longer, and our kids could skate, and then current players started buying up there, and who you know were playing in the NHL still, so they were training, and like you said, they just take a little boat across, practice, play, and then they're done, so they're able to stay there all summer long, and and it's been a great place for current players and us retired guys that have uh, kids playing hockey. It's so beautiful. It's amazing. I mean, we could go on and on and do like a Gaza commercial. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking epic. The golf <laughs> yeah. course is awesome. The, the golf course is awesome. hard. You should Everything see the, you should the, see the Pilates instructor. First class. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the Pilates instructor. I just remember coming back every morning and be like, oh, is that Pilates instructor smoking? <laughs> uh, I give you credit. You were making the comeback. You got your workouts in every morning, which you is impressive. You had to. You got to stay rusty nose. In order to look like this, you got to stay in tip-top yeah, shape. I yeah. It doesn't been, just happen. I would have been in trouble at Gauzer. Like I say it would have been throughout my career, Rusty. That boat going across the, the ski. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't come I don't know how many times I would have been on that fucking boat. <laughs> I would have been with Rusty having lunch at the tree bar and then playing 18. That's I right. I will take a pass today. So, Rusty, we were, you know, we were talking on the way up, just where we're on this. How did you and Wayner become buddies? You guys, you guys never played together, did you? Um, we did. We played in uh, Canada Cup in 1991. Okay. And then we played in New York in 97. Um, I had a brief stint there, but uh, coffee when, in New York's not yeah, a bad time. Yeah, not a bad yeah. time. I met Gretz when I played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He invited my brother and I to his tennis tournament in uh, in his hometown, and so we. That's when I first met him, and uh, then we met at a couple uh, other summer uh, casual. Uh, David Foster had a big event in Victoria. I don't know if you ever went, Kevin, but um, we met at these charity events. So. Then we every summer we just started hanging out because I started dating my wife and he was living in L.A. and my wife's Paris Vaughn at the time was an actress so I was coming out here in the off season, hanging out with Gretz, playing golf, working out, skating, and that's our friendship grew from there. And our, our, his wife Janet was an actress too, so it was just a natural fit for us. And. Uh, We've been friends for over uh, 30 years. A couple good Canadian lads. That's eh? called, just you know infiltrating that, Hollywood. That's called living the dream up. Is what that's called. Yeah, that's, that's called living the dream. That's exactly So when you first moved is. out to uh, L.A., were you in Manhattan Beach, Rusty, with the boys? Or where were, when you first came out here, where were you? So I lived in Hollywood Hills. I had a house. Uh, yeah. Smart. Yeah. There he goes. Yeah. Smart. Mount Olympus. Uh, my wife had a condo in West Hollywood. Then we bought a house up in Mount Olympus. And then we moved to Hidden Hills. When we had a, our first child, and then uh, eventually moved to Sherwood Country Club. Wherever Gretz goes, I kind of follow. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, Sherwood, he signed him. me in in 1993. I've been a member there since 93. Gretz signed me in. And then uh, Gazer, he's like, you know, we get. I'm going to Gazer. I guess we're going to. <laughs> Sounds the, good. The view from those coattails is not a bad yeah, view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's I, been a great friend. Anytime so. you can have this beauty around too, it doesn't I, it doesn't hurt either, right? Winner's <laughs> like this guy's a beauty. I'll take you on my squad. Let's go. Well, it's and well, we like we've had in California too, like a couple Canadian guys played down here. Uh, ended up spending our summers here. 
when we're here, we, we don't know why anyone would rather leave yeah. and go home. But we had our boys, and you know it's what Rusty had. And he was with his with his wife, but also you got to have your guys. You got to have yeah. your golfing buddies. You got to have guys you go for drinks with. Guys that you see the ball the same level as you. So. Yeah. Same agenda. Same agenda. And I always say that, Rusty, about when people ask about me up in loops. Like, obviously, playing in the NHL is ultimate dream, but when you can do it with two of your best buddies on the same schedule, living in California, it yeah. just makes it so much more enjoyable. And and the other thing, too, for us, when we played living in California, because they had the Kings and then the Ducks, uh, we were able to practice in this and play in the summer. So you could work out here all summer long, no matter where you played. And then the Kings and Ducks would start skating August 1st, yeah. usually. August and 1st, you, yeah. And the guys could jump Same in. And, yeah. and, and so we played. We had all kinds of guys. Uh, and we had a lot of Russian players um, because their agent lived here in Manhattan Beach. And um, he would have them come out and skate with us. And it was just a, it was a phenomenal skate. Yeah. And you're hanging out in L.A. and going to the Roxbury a couple of nights a week. <laughs> I, love that, I love that Rusty said August 1st, though, because that's when it was for us, too. We're like, oh, August 1st? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, boys, dust off the gear. Yeah. And near the end of my career, I mean, the, I was, the writing was on the wall. But it I'm caught like, up to us. These guys sure. started skating Rusty in July. And then, fuck, I'm like, what? what? There's ice yeah, in July? Yeah. Are in you, Canada, you, they're always just skating They're skating July, all year too. round, what Rusty. What's, you your thoughts? What's your thoughts on that? Like, as a guy, like, you think that's that's the way they have to do it nowadays? I, it depends on the players. Uh but for me, um, I was a good skater, so it was really more about my hands than anything, and just getting, you know, getting, getting used, getting the feel. And so the conditioning, the conditioning, I I, I prided myself on on being in good shape. And uh, towards the end of my career, when I should have probably been working out harder, is when I started working out less. Me, me too, but uh, me too. <laughs> but I uh, <laughs> because I fell in love with the game of golf, and I was playing golf all the time. And yeah, maybe I won't do the bike today. But anyways, <laughs> I. Uh, Rusty, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know about the skating thing. I think you, you need a few weeks. And then and because train, we had a long training camp, I, I just felt like you didn't need to be skating all summer. And I think it's the insecurity of athletes. They feel like if they miss out on July, you know, they're going to be behind. And, and that's what makes a lot of players great is the insecurities they have that somebody else is going to be in better shape. And, but I think you can get worn out by skating too much. Was the competition back then as, as – as tight as it is now like there's so many young players the separation of skill and speed and and talent is it's minuscule is that yeah, a word yeah. My, i don't know up he makes up his own word every week I do, so yeah, that's, a, that's a new upshot word it. it's, i don't anyway, know if it is or minuscule. not minuscule <laughs> minuscule Rusty, there baby. was always guys coming and and maybe not to the first round picks or the guys that are going to make the team right off the hop but to guys that you know might have cracked the the you know the team due to some injuries the year before and might think they're there the next year like those guys got to work that much fucking harder because there's younger guys and right now i was dallas stars training camp last year i thought all the younger players on the team that were that were already labeled to be in the ahl i thought they could have been on this fucking team no matter what by the way they skated the way they handle pucks shot pucks we talk about shooting every kid yeah. can shoot now it's like back then it, it, the talent must have been must have been a huge separation. Yeah, and I, there were so many different players. Like, you know, you had your slugs, the guys that yeah. were the fourth line that could barely skate, and they were tough, and they had a role. And you had your first two lines. You, you kind of knew where you were set. And maybe they do now, but the talent now, this everybody can skate. I mean, yeah, you yeah. watch the Everyone's game. Like Everyone Russ can fly. There, Everyone yeah. can shoot Seriously. the puck. And when I played, it was you could tell, like, when the, yeah. the slow guys were on the ice. I... I always said to young guys, but after I went through it, my first three years, a little insecure about was I going to stick? And then, and then once yeah. you once you stick and once you score twenty goals, 
you feel like, okay, I'm an NHL or I've arrived. And then it was just like, okay, this is where I fit. And that's where I, I got to get in shape and I got to go in there and I'm not making the team. I'm on the team. And, and so that was an amazing feeling. But I used to tell young guys all the time, like Brett Hedekin, he was so uptight, insecure. Um, and I said, Hedy, you've been in the league three years. You're going to play 10. Mm-hmm. You might not play 10 here, yeah. but you're a 10 year veteran. And I said to John LeClaire in, in Montreal, the city, I said, John, once you score 20, you're going to have a 10-year career because you might not play here, but there's another team out there who's going to think you can score 20 for them, and they're going to trade for you. So relax and play the game. And I told that to those two guys, and both guys came up to me later in their careers and, and thanked me because once John LeClaire scored 20, like he got 40. He got 50. I mean, he played with Eric. He's big, a great player, yeah. but he needed that confidence. And and I feel for those guy those young players that they go to camp they're fucking studs and they're already going to the american hockey league yeah. and, and it happened too back in our day like guys were should have played on their teams and and they they were cut right away yeah it sucks russ you, you said about about everyone can skate now and I, throughout the covid i would flip on hockey the nhl network and some games would come back from my eras granted most of them winter classics but you would see the fourth line come on, and you could see the tempo of the game. It would literally, you know, <laughs> and give no everyone a breather. No the fa- but the fans would stay up. Yeah, like, okay, here we go. You'd see a couple big hits, and no disrespect to these guys, because a lot of my career I was playing against the fourth line, but you could see it would it would dip down. Yeah. Like the but, fourth fourth, line guys, but fans love fourth line oh, hockey. Yeah. Fuck, oh, with the, gla- the glass started fucking crowd. Like, you could, like, there was energy, but you could tell the pace of play would go down. Nowadays, the fourth line gets on, and if you didn't know who they were, the, the pace of play is the exact same as the first two, yeah. three lines. I'll, I'll give you an example. We get When I played for the Minnesota North Stars, the last year they were in the league, they, they uh, moved the team to Dallas. And a lot of fans down there in the beginning, they were explaining over the uh, loudspeaker, like, that's icing. Uh, <laughs> and they quickly caught on. And when Shane Churla was our tough guy, he would go on the ice, the place would go nuts, and he would run a guy and miss him and slam into the glass, and he'd get a standing yeah. ovation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was, you know, our third, fourth-line guy, tough guy, but they freaking loved him in, in Dallas. I got to ask you, you mentioned that name, and I think you played with this guy, Pavel Bure. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when Pavel fucking knocked out? Knocked Churla yeah, with do that I fucking ever. elbow. Yeah. If that happened now, he'd be kicked out of the NHL. Yeah. So... We're playing. We have home ice advantage, advantage, and Chuck went out and fucking ran Pavel. And so my brother's on Vancouver. This I'm is on in Dal- Pacific. This is back home. Yeah. This is it home. In right? Dallas. In Dallas. In okay. Dallas. So they just uh, beat Chicago, or, uh, Calgary in seven. They had those last three games. They scored an overtime overtime goal in each game. I think wow. Pavel got game seven. Yeah. Man. Sick tuck. Sick tuck. Anyway, so Pavel, I didn't know this about Pavel, but he's a tough mother. So well, I'm on the bench. I'm looking to the right corner in our in our, uh, and he Chuck cross checks, uh, Pavel in the head. Pavel goes down in front of our bench, all the way down, full speed, comes across and frickin' nails Chuck and elbow to the head. Sounds out summer, out cold. It's right near the end of the period, right? So we go in. Chuck's on the on the table, getting looked at by the doctors. We're all getting ready, and he's going, no, I can go, I can go, I can go. <laughs> and the guy's going, hang on, i got to ask you a few questions. And I'm walking by the medical room, but I couldn't help it. We're going back up on the ice. I go, he's about to ask him a question. I go, Chuck, just remember, because they're always going, do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> Chuck, just remember, you're a 50-goal scorer. <laughs> and he goes, fuck off. <laughs> guy's just coming, too. He's a mess. And I'm cracking jokes. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's great. So I, I remember that hit as a kid thinking, oh, fuck, that is just, that's how you set the tone. And what a body on, on, on Pavel Bure. I know, yeah. Two yeah. best bodies in hockey from my era were Boris Salming and Pavel Bure. They had freaking veins that started at their, their big toe and ended at their freaking <laughs> neck. I mean, oh, my God, just ripped. I mean, ripped. I, th- I think it was the 30th anniversary of Pavel's first game in the NHL, maybe 30th, 35th. That just happened last week. So I was doing some stuff at Vancouver Sports Center, and they showed some clips of him when he first got in the league. And fuck, boys, was he buzzing. I mean, like, oh. I remember as a young kid how good he was. But yeah. when I saw these clips, yeah. like his he two was... or three strides, like you could fly too. But this guy was generational. Next level. Player. Yeah, I yeah. loved him as a kid. Well, yeah. we have social media now, so you see stuff all the time. Yeah. Everybody sees it, right? But back then, you know, if you didn't catch the late night sports, you wouldn't you wouldn't get all his stuff. Yeah. And Jeff, my brother, played with him, and he goes, "Russ, this guy might be the greatest player." He goes, "Obviously, Gretz is the greatest player, but I, this guy is unbelievable. You should see him." He goes, "Every time he's on the ice, it's a highlight video." Yeah, it was... I mean, he was probably the only player I played with when he got the puck, he got faster. Yeah, yeah, he was fast. You know, when we had the uh, skills competition in Vancouver, he was the eighth fastest guy on the team on the lap. You know, they do the He's one. Probably lap. Hung over. <laughs> He's probably hungover. Like, like, he was out with Rusty. Is he the first one to go with the tinted shield? I feel like. Oh, I, don't, I don't know I don't about know. that. I think Ovi, it I might be worth looking up. Might be worth looking up, but <laughs> Pavel tinted. I know. Federer I know Ovi went. Did uh, Federer? Federer did, but I think Federer. I think Burray might have led the way on that. We'll have to check it out. Oh, I would need a tint, I said last week a tinted shield in practice would have been a nice touch, Rusty. Any other trainer? Hey, I'll take that tinted shield this morning, please. <laughs> Cons, do you play golf with your shades on or no? Uh, I do not. Yeah, don't play yeah, golf. It's with tough your to play with your shades on. I wore a shield for a year and a half. Do you ever wear? Do you ever smoke a cigar out there while you're playing? I don't. It makes me dizzy. Because this is the king of smoking oh, cigars. Oh my god! Two, course right here. two on the front and two on the back. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he loves them. I do two Bud Lights on the front and two Bud Lights on the back. So That's Lo- Loops chirped me after the last dance came out with MJ, and I started smoking cigars. Right, and Loops oh. was like, "Oh, you only started smoking cigars because MJ." I'm like, "Well, it's no, true." No, actually, I'm, I'm going to give Russ Cortnall up at Gazer. I started smoking cigars with Russie, and I kind of fell in love with them. So yeah. I, 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 they're just nice yeah. out there, especially after the round, Russie. That's why I really oh, like yeah. to enjoy one. I like them before, during, and after. <laughs> Let's let's dive into your career a little bit here because he had an unbelievable one. And, and i got to give a shout-out to my boy back in Ontario, Jason Craig. I told him you were coming on the show. He's a big fan of yours. And um, I never knew this before. When you, when you first came into the NHL, Updog, you could have jumped on this line. You guys were called the Hound Line. Yeah, right? ain't nothing but a hound. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, fuck, up. He's going to love the name of that. But it, it was you, Wendell, and Gary Lehman coming out of uh, high school, right? Yeah, so we all played at Notre Dame. We went to Notre Dame and Saskatchewan, Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Wendell and I actually played on the same team. He was a defenseman. A lot of people forget this, but he was he was drafted first overall, first pick, as a defenseman, never played forward and never played one shift in the NHL as a defenseman, played left wing. Wow. Wendell That's Clark. Wendell folks. Clark. I knew that. Unbelievable. <laughs> this guy. Oh, so he, I got, I, I got all day to talk about Wendell. And then Gary Lehman uh, was a little older than us, so he played midget. And we, when I was there with uh, Gary, he was in the midget team. I was on the Bantam team. So we, we only, we started playing together in Toronto, but that's how we got the name. I mean, if there's another great name in hockey for a line, what was yours? Oh, I got him up there. Yeah, what was I it? was on the Legion of Poon. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking right. Well That's deserved really line. Who was on that line? You Who was the line? Was, well, it only happened for about a month, month and a half. And then we got too up. hot off. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> it was me, Lupo on the right. It was me on the left. Joffrey Lupo on the right, Mike Richards up the pipe. Oh, wow. that's a good line. And at that point, we were all doing pretty good, pretty good damage. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
you know, because the Legion of Doom was yeah. our boy Le- yeah. Le- LeClaire, Lindros, and Michael Renberg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we just took over that. <laughs> Actually, it was hilarious. The this Mike Panaccio, or I don't know his last name. I don't know his first name, but Panaccio is a beat writer for for uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. He came into the room one day and he's looking around. And he's like. You know what we ought to call you guys? You guys right here, you three right there, Legion of Poon line. And everyone was like, that could be the funniest fucking thing that guy's ever said. That's so. great. The Hound line, though, fucking Rusty, that's unbelievable. And you touched on this guy, Rusty, and I grew up watching Wendell. I was a huge Leafs fan. I had Wendell Clark jer- jerseys and Dougie Gilmore jerseys. And I was still to this day, Rusty, I'll go back and watch the All Heart video of Wendell. When I was still playing, I would watch it before big games. Was it good or bad? Probably bad. I ended up probably taking a minor. But just touch on on playing with Wendell. I know he's big for you and, and just everything that you know helped you young in your career. Yeah. So Wendell and I were best friends on and off the ice. And Clarky would say to me when shit hit the fan after the whistle, he'd say, count to three. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm not there in three seconds, I'm fighting somebody else. You're on your own. But I, he was such a good player, like great player. He could score and he could fight, and he wasn't a big guy. And he just he beat the freaking shit out of everybody. <laughs> and I tell this story about Wendell because some people who didn't get to watch him play, or or maybe watched a little bit of him, maybe didn't understand how tough he was. So we're in Detroit. We have a five on five. I'm not a fighter. I'm maybe at that time about 178, 180 pounds. Clarky's about 188. Gary Lehman's a buck eighty. Four and it's Probert, Kosher, uh, Basil McRae was a rookie that year. <laughs> Lee Norwood on defense and Harold Snaps. <laughs> uh, Pick so, a guy. <laughs> so so anybody everybody squares off and so Basil McRae gets me in a chokehold and he's just lifting me up and I'm like <laughs> and like he's lifting me off the ice choking me. He knows he's not going to fight me. He's 225 pounds or 20 pounds. And Wendell Clark is beating the fucking shit out of Bob Probert at center ice. And it's like this. Like, just fucking hit him square in the face. And he goes, Basil, if you don't fucking let him go, I'm going to kick the fuck out of you. And then Basil let me go. And that's how tough Wendell was. He could... He came into the league, and he just – it didn't matter if you were a tough guy or not. And if you wanted to fight, he dropped his gloves and just started swinging. And he and never – it was yeah, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And, Throw first, ask questions yeah, later. And when I started fighting, and I'm not comparing myself to that, but my, I asked my dad, and my dad said, don't ask questions first. Yeah, first start fucking, same just start thing. fucking chucking. Oh, yeah. And I would watch Wendell, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, that's what Wendell does. Yeah. Like, he doesn't jump, guys, no. but he goes to if you. If you looked at him, and he's going to fucking – Yeah, yeah. And I, there's he, a video in, on YouTube, All Heart, where Wendell's got this guy down from Minnesota, and he's yeah. just always, fucking always. doing the chainsaw If you on fell him. down on the ice, he jumped on top you and kept swinging. Yeah. One of his best fights, and I talked to uh, Rick talking about this, but Rick and, and Wendell fought and uh, in Toronto, and, and, and Rick is a, is a Toronto boy, and so all his buddies are like, they're the easy from the east side, and they're like, night before, are you going to fight him? Are you going to fight him? Are you going to fight him? He's like, fuck. I don't fight him. I don't know, I'm I just trying to have I dinner mean, here. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so sure enough, they went, and it was a draw. I think it was a draw. And those two beat the shit out of each other. What, and then uh, they go, talking? after the fight, they're like, good fight. Was, oh, hey, oh, hey Rusty, is that when talks? I don't know if you remember. Was that when he was in Philly? Yeah. I remember that clip. Yeah. He came running in the corner. Yeah. Wendell fucking dummied someone behind the net. Uh, Mark Howe. Mark Howe. And, and so fucking he had talks to come, came flying yeah. in. And they went toe-to-toe. How are you? Yeah, Clarky. I, the worst fight I ever saw was with Wendell. I almost puked. Kevin Maguire, play, tough guy, played in Toronto and Buffalo. Good Irishman. 
And Kevin uh, thought he had to fight Wendell in training camp to earn, to make the team, and he should have fought Bob McGill or somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> he drops the gloves and goes after Wendell right in front of me. There's no, it's training camp. There's nobody in in Maple Leaf oh, Gardens God. except this. So you hear everything. Oh, Wendell hit him three times for 27 stitches, three different cuts. One, two, three. It sounded like a guy punching his fist through a watermelon, oh, and I swear to sick. God, I almost puked. Oh, man. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen. He only hit him three times, and his head just exploded all over the place. And there's Jeez, blood at practice. Everywhere. It was a training camp. Training wow. camp. See, Back oops. then, we used to. Yeah. It ain't over the club. Back the night before. Two, two days, so two games a day. Fights were always. Oh, that would you make you want to fight. You, you, know, you had to fight one time. The so fights were great because then I got to rest. Yeah, you, you either had to do it in the morning or <laughs> yeah. it's the afternoon. Yeah. And, and by the afternoon, uh, you're thinking too much about the whole morning. You're like, was... fuck, I should have just fought in the fucking morning game. And then we, Clarky and I were single, and we'd always go out after the games and and uh, in Toronto or on the road and stuff. And Every bar we went to, the guys would come up to Wendell. Want to fight him? And want to fight him because he wasn't it's a big a guy. Weird thing I've seen that with guys, it never made sense to me. I, and Wendell's mom, I believe, was a school teacher at school he went to, so he was not allowed to fight at school because he'd have to come home to his old man, right? So he never <laughs> fought off the ice. As soon as he put on those skates, he turned into like I can't wait to to scrap. Is that yeah. why he went to Notre Dame? Maybe because like he was uh, his parents for the hockey. Wanted, his parents wanted to get him away from the hometown. No. That was a lot a bigger lot. to play yeah. for a better team. Totally. Yeah. But he uh, he scored. He broke the rookie scoring uh, record, and he's getting a standing ovation. And and we're on the bench, and he's doing this on waving to the fans. And he 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 says to me like this as he's waving. He goes, "I'd rather fight than score anything." <laughs> He's waving to the fans. <laughs> so, yeah, Rusty, I was just going to ask you, like, I think you touched on but how was his demeanor away from the rink? Was like, oh. Most of these tough guys I meet, like Marty McSorley, for example. I met Marty for the first time. He was skating with us in Kingston. He was waiting for a contract. And, like, Marty McSorley was coming out to skate. And I was like, holy fuck, Marty McSorley. If you think you're going to meet this big tough guy, and he's going to be like, and he was so soft-spoken. Yeah. Was Wendell kind of the same way away yeah. from the rink? Like, and then when he got on the ice, look out. Yeah, yeah. All the all the tough guys were like that. They were quiet. Bob Probert barely said two words, you know. But Wendell was very, he was a real quiet guy, shy. Um, you know, I'd do all the talking. Yeah, <laughs> you're pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah. When we went out, I did all yeah, the talking. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> come meet my friend Wendell a Clark. Smile with the nice hair. Wendell, come here. I got a couple <laughs> girls I want you to meet. Yeah. Rusty, I used to take the same job. Like that. It, it would work good for. But uh, you know, the dangerous guys in the bar after the games were the guys with the non-fighters. Yeah, of course, <laughs> the guys who weren't tough. Still were the had ones. their teeth. Yeah. Those guys get, were up. getting chirpy in the bars, with your, and then you know the, they'd be looking around at the tough guys. Hey, come get! Come like, hey, Wendell, <laughs> Wendell, I got a problem this over here. This guy's talking yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, Clarky is great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the one thing that reached to finish off on Wendell was when he hit that guy in St. Louis behind the net. No, that was the one. Bruce clip. Bell. Yeah, as a clip, clip I watched as a kid. A, it made me realize as a defenseman to always keep your fucking head up. Obviously, mm-hmm. there was not many Wendell Clarks out there, but when he hit that guy behind the fucking net, Rusty, I was like... And then the next guy jumped him, and he beat Char- the fucking oh, wheels off of him. So he, Wendell had this... He would come flying around and hit shoulder to chin every time. And yeah. this guy was... Bruce Bell was wheeling around the net, and and Wendell laid him out, out cold like he, he yeah. was done. Anyways, Charlie came in. He was six foot five or something. Drops his gloves and then you—he'll do the Michael Jackson backwards. <laughs> oh shit! Like, 
that's what that's what Halsey said too. Holly, Holly said that to me. Wendell just beat the shit out of him. So there's two guys laying on the Rusty, ice. Rusty, this is hilarious. Last, Can I tell last you? year, last year at the at the revelry tournament. Do too. you remember the one guys? He threw a, a, a piece of fruit at one of the boys. That there was a little fight and a little melee at the little melee at the clubhouse last year. Oh yeah, yeah, fight at the Gazer club. So listen, it doesn't happen all the time. But there's a little tussle. So rumor has it that Uppy might have had something to do with. There's a little tussle in the fucking dining room. But can you give us? Oh yeah, so I'll give you. I give you what I heard. I wasn't there. I was already at the tree bar waiting for the boys. That was the dance party. They had the full seventies dance party party in there. And Upshaw. Yeah, no, he may or may not have been. I didn't do it. I mean, he may not have been getting a little friendly with certain people. I don't know. This is just what I heard. Is this? It was not true. I was on the dance floor doing my thing. I was with my buddy's wife. Not, not, but Bridge, Bridget. We were dancing on the on the dance floor. And next thing you know, bananas and fruit there's a piece of flying, fruit being talked, ch- flying around. At people. At there, was a guy, there was not a guy. There was a guy on the. Not at me. There was a uh, member on the bar acting like he was. Yeah. Thank you, Russell. Yeah. No, I'm, Something special. I'm just and to spice a, the story an orange might have hit him in the head. Might have hit that guy in the head. Someone breaks out. Someone just. Yeah. Chuck. So I'm at the tree bar, and the guy who works at Gauzer comes down and says the tree bar is closed. And I said, listen, I'm not a member here. But from what I've just realized, the, this tree bar doesn't close very often. What happened? <laughs> like, the tree bar's closed. Like, are you nuts? It's never been closed. I've been here three days. Uh, there's been an altercation in the uh, grill. So whatever. We have a Were good night. Were punches thrown? I don't no, know. No, no, no. Almost. But no, Chaser no, no, broke it up yeah, before yeah. anything happened. So, so we what had, did Uppy do? Uh, we have a good night. We go to the tree bar I just bar kept dancing. <laughs> he moonwalked out of the fight. So then the next morning, me and Uppy are taking Craig Manchester's 4x4 four four little dude. Yeah. The, to the to tee off and Halsey's out front and we get we pull up and up he gets out and Halsey's like hey Upshaw <laughs> good job starting that fight last night way to chip in way to moonwalk your way out of there and I almost fell over man I almost fell over I was like it's so you're good. not fighting it Gaza good nah, for you yeah. hell no I'm playing right golf I'm dancing I'm smoking cigars with Rusty it was like just it. the way yeah. Halsey delivered it oh, with his yeah. voice yeah. I fucking laughed you laughed Holly too. is the funniest one of the funniest human beings yeah. in planet earth and the, uh, and I didn't obviously didn't play with him, but every ho- every hockey story here, uh, this guy is so good. Is all his well, hit we, stories? Yeah, of, we had Stamkos on last week. Russell, you gotta get Holly. And in yeah, you guys. He do. was talking about with, with Otsi because he works with Otsi, and he and Otsi brought up Brett Hall. He said yeah. Brett Hall's ability to take a pass, you can never give Halsey a bad pass. Right. And that's what Otsi was was trying to put in Stammer, and Stammer says a, a lot of the reason why he's such a good guy at one time and getting on a knee mm. is because of Halsey. Yeah. Yeah, well, Holly was the best. I mean, you just got the puck anywhere near him, and it was going to be on net and accurate. Guy's a stud. Yeah. Just an absolute stud. So, Rusty, I was just curious. Let's uh, talk about the cities Rusty's playing. Yeah. <laughs> you never played. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, you go. You go. Because that, we're, we're, this curfew, missing curfew podcast here, we're all about missing curfew uh-huh. and playing in good cities and talking about the good cities. Or not Con, playing in good cities. Yeah, I know. But Con, and Cons is leading the charge, too. He fits right into this. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've always asked. We asked our guys, "Where's the most favorite? Either place you played or city on the road." What, what's when you were playing? What, what was your favorite uh, city to go to in the road? Uh, depends. Uh, Chicago was a great city for the for the road. But when I played for Montreal and we'd go across Canada and play, it's uh, it's unbelievable. The, the fans that come out that are are diehard Montreal fans. Every city we played in in Canada, except for Calgary. We'd, we'd, we'd have, have more, be half, yeah, half, 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 and then, of course, when you 
you know, when, when you were single and going to the bars there, oh, my God. Oh, look it was out. Just, it's it's so still, funny. It Winnipeg, was, Winnipeg was one of the best cities. It was When they came back in the league, Winnipeg was one of the best cities, too. But when I before they left, it was, yeah. it was there's nothing to do there in no. the wintertime. No, you just all, and all the farm, we all Earl's? the farmers' daughters from oh, all over the fucking gosh. the province was, they come to live in Winnipeg. Where yeah. else are they gonna go? Rusty, yeah, people was... ask me best road city. I always say Montreal. Yeah, I'm like a... you play Montreal on a Saturday night, win or lose. If you're staying overnight, you go out that night. Yeah, the city's buzzing, especially if they want. It's almost what's better. Your bat, you... What's your batting average? It's almost there? better thousand. to lose. Thousand? thousand in Montreal. Yeah, I but was single, single, Obi, did you uh, say it's I'm... almost better to lose? It's <laughs> almost better to lose because Montreal, they're all happy there, right? Like, like all the Montreal Canadiens lost. But if you lose, if yeah, they win, then the like, home team guys still get their their kills, and you well, get the to guys, yeah. I mean, Rusty, it was different when you played, but some of the guys that played Montreal that I know, it, it, they can't even go out yeah. nowadays. Nowadays, maybe no, it's different when you played. I was there four years. My first three years, I was single. Um I'll tell you how good it is in Montreal and how crazy it is, the Montreal Canadiens. Patrick Wall was our starting goalie. Brian Hayward was a great goalie. He he was our backup. Hazy's in old Montreal with his wife, and in comes Mick Jagger and somebody, and they sit beside him. And so they're sitting there, and they're just going, I can't believe it. Mick Jagger's right beside us having dinner. The (laughs) chef comes running out with a pad and paper right down the aisle. He turns his back on Mick Jagger and he goes to Brian Hayward. Can I have your autograph? He turns and runs back into the kitchen, waving it like this. And Mick Jagger goes, "Excuse me, who are you?" And he goes, "I'm the backup goalie, or I'm the goalie for the Montreal Canadiens." He goes, "Well, I'm buying you dinner tonight. I've been all over the world. That's never happened to me." Fuck, that is Montreal in a nutshell. Oh right? That is the greatest story I've ever heard from Montreal. Montreal, like, it was crazy there. <laughs> the how, back of how, like, I used to go to this little restaurant called Da Vinci's. And back then, if the, there was another team in the restaurant, you didn't go in. So if the opposing team was in Da Vinci's and they were there first, you'd go to another restaurant. So we, we went to Da Vinci's a lot. It got to the point where I had to eat in the kitchen because <laughs> – like they were just like the people who were in there. They just kept coming over and asking me. I didn't mind, but the restaurant was like, Russ, these people <laughs> will not eat their food, and they're not leaving. And we've got people waiting, and it was just like the love of the game. Yeah, you know. But you know, the crazy part is, like, you know, listen. Obviously, you always appreciate fans. Like the one weird thing is when you're eating. Yeah, it's yeah, the only I time know. where it's like. When you're single and by yourself, you yeah, don't mind. Slide on over here. Hey, see that spot at the bar in the corner? That was my spot for four straight years while I was single in Montreal. Yeah. yeah. No, well, that would bug you, constantly. No, your... no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't bug me. But like, it, there are there are times where people where they don't mean it. They don't don't mean to be a certain way. But if you're actually in the middle of a sentence, whether yeah. it's with your girlfriend or yeah. in a meeting, and you're actually chewing on your food. Also, too, when you're on a show like Entourage, people think they know you, so a guy's got me in a headlock and he's giving me noobies. And I'm like, yo, bro, I'm 40. I don't do noobies. At yeah. least back then, they didn't have camera phones. Right. So they Correct. went up and they said, hi, yeah. you're, we're, we're, yeah. we're fans. Yeah. How are you? And then that's pretty much it. They're not like, can we take a photo? And it interrupts everything. It's a, you know, this yeah. is nothing. Yeah, or it was like the autograph days, right? That was the big thing, which is worth, you know. I mean, I guess it's different in sports. Unless you're signing some panties or bras and it's a little different. <laughs> That's worth, when, uh, not worth a million that, bucks. But, uh, I usually go with a headshot, but, you know. <laughs> to each their own. To each, each his own, own, yeah. So you guys have social media today, or the players today. Back then, um, they had the radio and the TV. So we're playing. Montreal Canadiens were up playing against Quebec. The Qu- Quebec was young and good, but they we, we beat them most of, those, most of those games back then. And 
Carbo, Guy Carboneau, myself, and one or two other guys might have stayed at, uh, what was that bar upstairs in Quebec? Um, I'll remember it. Come on, Obi, you don't I've know this. I've never been to Quebec City. I've been, di- I've been uh, dying to go. I've never been. <laughs> I, I, I've never been. I won the Pee Wee Quebec tournament. Here we go. So we stayed. Did you go to the bar in Pee Wee? No, but we were getting hand doogies in the stairwell. So we... We stayed, so we might have stayed out a little late past curfew. So we uh, we're in the we get to the rink before the game in Quebec. We're in the locker room and we always had a big ghetto blaster for for our music and and the the guy has on the radio station says tonight I think the, in French he says uh, the Quebec Nordiques are gonna beat the Montreal Canadiens because Garbino Richer Courtnell and Corson were at uh, Dago Bar <laughs> till one o'clock in the morning and all I see is Carbo rip the cord out of the wall and told our trainer to put the music away because he was worried Pat Burns was gonna walk in and we would have got busted by a fucking DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on the Canadians when Patrick Waugh let let up all those goals and he and he skated off the ice no. and quit? No, I wasn't, and he, I, I was not there. So yeah, I, I've seen. We've all seen that. Oh, uh, what highlight. a an intense clip! And yeah. boy, did he he, told he mean him. business. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> went over the guy. Was the, no bluff. The guy sitting behind the bench was Ronald Corey with the Molson family, and he uh, he went over to Ronald Corey, the president of the team, and probably said this is my last game or i wanted to be traded and then he, he probably said that along he, with a couple and other then he things told the coach uh you know fuck you <laughs> call this tabernacle <laughs> and that was it that was his last game yeah he well he was that was no block <laughs> that was no, no bluff. bluff he said i'm out of here rusty uh jimmy hayes our, our third guy is not not on this uh interview today but he asked we had screwy Brian Screw no, as, as our assistant coach in Florida. We all oh, Screwy's a beauty. And he's like, ask him, ask he's like, cause Screwy cracked us up all the time. Oh, he was just like the I love Screwy. He pumped us up, but he, I guess he always used to say the one year he got paid the most money per minute played because they'd always put him on like for the last face off of a game after the yeah. after the team would score like the empty net goal or just <laughs> <laughs> So he's like He's like, ask Rusty if you got any good screws. Uh, Screwy was the best, and and Brian Screw, Brian Screw, yeah, Brian played together in in Montreal. And was he your Ma- captain there? Uh, no, he was an assistant captain. We had Bob Ganey my first year, and then Shelley and Carbo, my second. Did you play against Mike Bossy ever? Yes, yeah, played so against. There you go, Just curious. There you go. And, but Screwy was a beauty, and uh, third line checking centerman. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yep, great no, guy, great player, that. great teammate. And when we go on the road, we have so much fun. It was McPhee, Screwlin, uh, Brent Kilchrist, myself. We'd go for dinners, and Screwy never shut up. And Mike McPhee would just laugh at all his jokes. He never said a word. <laughs> <laughs> and we drank a lot of wine. We drank a lot of beers, and we had a ton of fun. And and this uh, one day in in Montreal, we had a great team. My first year, we lost the Stanley Cup and in uh, 89 to uh, Calgary. Um, so we had a great team. So did they. And so we won most of our freaking games, right? So Screwy uh, had a party at his house for the Grey Cup. And uh, we all... Super Bowl, you know the Grey yeah. Cup is? I, I know. You know okay, okay. So we go watch the Grey Cup. We go downtown and we went out, all the young guys, we went out and Screwy just kept pounding. We had practice the next day. He showed up 20 <laughs> minutes late. And the trainer's going, no, you can't go on the ice. You can't go on the ice. And Screwy came out, and he was still shit-faced. 
and Pat Burns calls everybody and blows the whistle, calls everything in, everybody in, and, and the media is behind him. And Montreal, they're just looking for any story. Yeah, it's right? like the Yankees. Oh my right? God! They're so he all over the place. now Pat Burns is trying to figure out how he's going to downplay this. <laughs> right. This guy is like wobbling on the ice. Right. So he goes, okay, everybody, look at me, <laughs> and, we're, and sh- nod your head. Okay, practice is over. <laughs> Everybody get off the ice. Screwy, <laughs> get the fuck off the ice. <laughs> and then they put him in the trainer room, and, and they said he uh, had a flat tire. Put, put, put IV on him. Yeah. Put, put IV in Pulled him. But Screwy was hammy. fucking hammered out of his mind. Uh, he was, anyway, Screwy's a great guy. Played hard. Uh, won a Stanley Cup. Or a couple, I think. He won one in Dallas. Too, yeah, he did. Yeah, at the end. He and would he come was, up to me. I went on a PTO near the end of my career with Florida, and Screwy was – what was he – some kind of player development or something. Yeah, but he took over. He got the assistant coach job when we fired Deneen. Oh, you did, yes. Yeah. But he would come in every morning and be like, oh, but you're having a fucking great camp. Keep it fucking going. I'm yeah. like, yeah. And then one morning I didn't see Screw. I'm like, where's Screw? Anyone seen Screw? I need someone to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to make sure I'm need, playing well. I need someone to get me going here. Where's oh, yeah. Screw? Like, oh, he was great. Energy up the yin yang, man. You he can just tell he was a Saskatchewan boy. Oh, yeah. He's great. Screw's awesome. So, Rusty, the one last question we could sit here all day with you. Just a curfew thing back in your day. How, how did it work for you boys? Like in our in our time, we talk about it as it was a guideline. But and back in the day, was it was it talked about, or was it just kind of same thing? Be a pro on certain nights, no one to go, no one not to go. It depended on the team. The, the better the team, the more lax it was. But there was definitely a curfew, and it was eleven o'clock usually, uh, night before a game. It depended on the coach. Uh, Pat Burns, when I was single in Montreal, he used to phone my freaking house, my and hang up and I, I knew it was from the bar and it'd be 11.05 and I'd be asleep but he was you know he wanted he wanted to catch guys once in a while to set the tone like he, he caught a couple guys some one guy's the minor so it was it, it just depends who you played for Larry Robinson it was a guy line uh, my last two years in LA and, and so I called that the farewell tour I didn't make too many of those curfews but um <laughs> Uh, oh, so, he loves that I like one. That. I like that. I like that. Yeah, the I the one story I have about curfew was in uh, my early in my, early in my career, maybe my rookie year. My uh, Rick Vive was our captain in Toronto. He missed curfew. They take away the C from him, and oh. then we play the next day. We were there in Minnesota for a couple of days, so we play a Sunday afternoon noon game. And Boreas Selming says, you know what? We're going to stand up to the coach and the and the manager, what they did to Rick. We're all going to miss curfew tonight. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> First curfew I'm ever going to miss. First one of my career. So we're all at this bar, and, and they're looking at me like, the kid's going to run. The kid's going to run. I stay till 10 minutes after midnight. Curfew was at midnight. I get in a cab. I freaking fly back. I'm shitting myself. And it, the the hotel, it was like a motel, this Marriott outside the old rink there in Minnesota. And I, I run down one hallway, open the door, run down the next hallway. I get to the third hallway, go up the second flight, get in. I open the door. Brad Smith is my roommate. And I go, I made! <laughs> Dan Maloney is standing there with a pen and paper checking curfew. <laughs> I run right into the fucking head coach. <laughs> Those two, he's hammered. The other... Uh, Motor City Smitty's hammered. They start <laughs> fighting in front of me. I'm like, 
I'm sitting there going, I'm in my suit and tie. I don't know what to do. And so I'm so freaking nervous. I just start taking all my clothes off, throw them in the closet, and I jump in bed. I didn't know what to do. And they're wrestling in front of me. So that was my first experience of missing curfew. And uh, the, I think the only time I got caught. See, that's, that's why I, told, that's why I told, told you about curfew. If you're going to miss it, miss it late. Miss it don't, late. don't just miss it by 30 of minutes. Course, if you're going to miss it, miss it by a couple course. hours. If you're going to do it, go all the way with it. Go all the well, way. Brent, 10 minutes. Well, he was a young he was a young kid. He was a little nervous. I'll tell one more, and you guys can play it or not. But Brent Gilchrist and I were in uh, Vancouver playing for Montreal Canadiens. Pat Burns, our coach. And uh, we had just – I think we swept Alberta, and we're going to have an afternoon game or something in Vancouver. It's New Year's Eve in Vancouver. We fly in. Coach says, you guys can stay out till uh, – you know, just stay out till 1230 and make sure everybody's in. Enjoy the night. You guys had a great – couple games in alberta we got a big game tomorrow afternoon and <laughs> so we go to the roxy <laughs> and we, we went to richards and then my younger brother's living in vancouver and he says i'm gonna have a few people over we're we're just brent's not playing i'm full of energy okay let's go for a couple couple more a couple more and then it's nine o'clock nine a.m his pregame meal <laughs> now it's five Six, seven, we go, fuck, we got to go. So we're still in our suits and ties from, from the Calgary game. We roll in, we get in at 7, 30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, something like that. And who do we run into in the fucking lobby? Pat Burns. No way. And he goes, you guys couldn't sleep last night either, man. It was brutal, that fucking party that was going down the hall. And, and Brett and I said, yeah, we just went for a walk, and we're just uh, getting ready. To, we're hoping that we can have pregame. Hopefully it's early. And he goes, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Come on, let's go. So he, he, Brent and I are like breathing out of the corner of our house going, we just want to eat and have a two-hour nap before the game. We So – we sit there with Pat Burns, eat scrambled eggs, toast, whatever, go up to our rooms, and we're like, oh, my God, he doesn't know. And this guy used to be a cop. Right. <laughs> he doesn't know. So we're both – we were shitting ourselves. Now we're fine. We have a nap. We go to the game. Gilly goes out for a warm-up, and uh, <laughs> Coach comes over and goes, hey, um, I'm not going to dress uh, Carbo tonight. He's not feeling well. You're in. <laughs> and, and Gilly got first star. Two goals. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. That's old hockey. school. That's yeah. old school stuff there. <laughs> so hey, shout out to uh to your handsome your handsome lad, your twenty two year old boy Lawton, who's uh, just signed where? Wheeling? Yeah, Wheeling. Uh LA Kings draft pick. Uh no, he was never drafted. He oh, went to the gotcha. Kings camp. He went to a couple camps. Columbus had him to camp. Um anyways, he just signed with the East Coast Hockey League team, Wheeling. Uh, Nailers, yeah, I Nailers. Nailers. Yeah. Paul Bizonet, I think. Yeah, yeah. so he's he's leaving. Yeah. For, he's leaving there for a couple of weeks. He just graduated from Western Michigan, where he played for Andy, Andy Murray, and they're a big fan of you guys. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, they heard their team loves your show. He's and good cat, handsome fellow, twenty four years old. Yeah, fuck to be twenty four again, eh? <laughs> right, <Turn the> <laughs> to be twenty four again, that'd be nice. <laughs> Rusty, anything exciting going on? Uh, for you with Discovery right now, what, what are you guys doing? You, any new projects? We've bought uh, James Island, and we partnered up with Craig McCaw, who used to own the island. So we're, uh, Mike Melman and, and Craig are, have done a deal. And so we were supposed to start um, selling last um, summer to, or taking reservations, I should say, for property. And then the border got shut down with COVID. James Island's in Victoria, Vic where you're from, Victoria. right? Victoria. Yeah, so it's my How hometown. How pretty is the island? 
beautiful. It's beautiful. It's almost 800 acres. Uh, they built a Nicholas course there in 1998. Um, it's kind of already like a discovery property. It's got the tree bar. It's got a bar on the ocean. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful property. And we're excited about that. But with COVID and, and the border, we haven't been yeah, able yeah. to take uh, anybody up there. I haven't even seen my parents yet. They haven't even met my wow. daughter. Wow. Crazy. So we'll figure that stuff out, I think, here in the near future. Yeah, I haven't, seen my first, I haven't met my new nephew, Smith. I haven't met him. Oh, wow. I've been home since last Christmas, so I'm going home for Christmas. Nice. Hopefully, I don't have to quarantine for 14 days. Go through Alberta. It's yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, Calgary yeah. is two days. Is that yeah. the way to do it? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the way to do it. Two days, but they want to make you stay for 14. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Uh, let's go through the phone and see if I know anyone in Calgary. From <laughs> 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 Might work out well, but um, yeah, for people in Vancouver, everything Discovery does, Rusty, we love you. Um, yeah, thanks for the gifts, bud. Yeah, you uh, came yeah. rolling in here with a picture of our championship title. Yeah, Uppy's going to put that right in his garage. He's You're got every right sick picture in there, TV in there, so it'll be great. And we got Sherwood on Thursday, thanks to Rusty, too. So yeah, I haven't played Sherwood since match. the last time, so I'm looking forward to we'll it. We'll be so, posting yeah. that on our Instagram. 1220. 1220, perfect. Yeah. We'll bring you some merch. You got right. rocked and loaded, and then uh, I guess we're staying the night up there. Yeah, we're going to have a few. Yeah. yeah. And then watch the Masters we'll on the weekend. In, we'll get in one. Can't wait, boys. Conj, as always, thank you. Weird another golf outing. I'm not inviting you. <laughs> <laughs> can we play five? Says he. Says he. I think we can play five. There you go, bud. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great All show, right, boys. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Thanks Happy shaking to the top. The shaking pool is cut